This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. calls for aid and Brog shall answer Amandine is lit welcome back to Light the Beacons a Lotro podcast focusing on the Osgilorific MMORPG Lord of the Rings Online as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming and the lore of Jorarar Binks uh, Tolkien this is episode 33 and I'm your host Brag of the Lonely Mountain Triple X and Dwarf of Ill Repute Triple X that's no title hold on let me find a title that means that someone didn't look over the show notes. They were supposed to read a title and they didn't have nothing. So what's the first one that came up? Uh, student of the Woods. No, I'm not a student of the woods. I'm a, I'm a metalsmith. Enemy of the dead. That's what I am. And dwarf of ill repute. Uh, alrighty, one-third of the way towards our 100th episode. I think Lotro Report is working on 300-something. Yowza! Maybe I could publish a series of one-minute podcasts to catch up, doing like 60 of those a week. I'll be there in no time. So, the big news. My keyboard is fixed. I am putting the A back in Dwarf. For those of you who heard last week's podcast, I am broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEW HQ at Nars Peak in Enidwaith. I'm visiting my old buddy Frithgeeter. Looks like this dude, look, he's lonely, all right? He doesn't get a lot, you know, Nar is out there, you know, off in La La Land, wandering around the mines, talking to dudes in multicolored robes, and Frithgear's lonely, so I try to come out and visit him every once in a while. You, you want to know how lonely he is? I'll tell you how lonely he is. He's so lonely he paid the Dunlanding, the vagrant, to spoon with him. He's so lonely he's trying to train a Gwyber to say Pollywanna Cracker. I mean, this guy's lonely. He got to second base with a cave claw last week, for goodness sake. I don't get no respect. Um, so, Buddy Frith gear. In the meantime, uh, one of my favorite things to do while I'm here is, of course, enjoy the view. And so I'm peering down into the depths of Thoros Coombe on my left. I can see an intriguing-looking path leading up into the snow-covered mountaintops. Uh, I think I know where that goes, but I've still got another six levels to get there. Um, have to remember to go down and visit the little in your absence rotting tombstone that uh, is off to the left as well but uh, what's neat right now it's four dawn and as I peer across the valley I can see the shadows you know leaking back from across the landscape it's uh, the snow is almost tumbled down the mountains and filled in the foothills uh, with pine trees peeking out I can see the outline of the top of Harndirian sticking out from above the uh, hillscape in the distance. And far off to the right, maybe the just the base of, an, of the establishment there for Lanuk. 
as I turn back towards the mountain, I can look up and see the peak of the mountain just above me, and uh, the little, the quaint little dwarven stronghold of of uh, Zudragund, opening up from the mountain. So this is, hey, there's no two ways about it. This is one of the best views in Lotro. Anyway, there's filled with them, which is why I like venturing into this zone, and I can see a little light snowfall. Uh, kind of petering down from the skies and uh, it's a great backdrop for us to broadcast this week so let's get to it and light our second beacon we are at Ilenoch. Uh, first it's time for CRAP corrections retractions and apologies from last week so last episode we offended the line of Ilsidur all 35 of them Firework starters, Val lovers, anniversary enthusiasts, Nagas, Callanhad Beacon fan club members, and the Lost King Evidui in for Cal, poor soul. To you all, I issue a very solemn and heartfelt sorry. Uh, so what, what's going around the community? Viewer, viewer comments. And uh, had a viewer comment that they're not a viewer this week, but uh, I think that's just a troll. So we'll continue to call them viewers for now while we're tabling that movement. Um, but I did want to note that uh, this past week I uh, decided to sign up for NBI 2015. That is the Newbie Blogger Initiative uh, that uh, some of you who follow the community may, may know of. Uh, I think it's housed out on uh, Contains Moderate Peril, but if you do a search of NBI 2015, you'll find it. Um, looking back at uh, the roll calls from last year, I was thinking about joining. I'd started my podcast right about May 4th, and I think NBI came out like May 5th or something like that. So I, technically, my first uh, podcast came after the uh, premiere of the first NBI, so I've never officially been a newbie member, a newbie member and um, the community is not so hard set in their rules that they would have ruled me out anyway. Uh, so I went out to the website and I signed on board. I noticed a good number of blogs there around gaming and, and other related topics in the industry. Um, not as many podcasts. I may be one of the only podcasts I saw that signed up this year, but I know there are a number of them that have participated in years past. <clears throat> and instantly I was greeted uh, with a hearty welcome including Twitter FFs, uh, friendings, comments of my initial MBI post out on their website. And uh, what a vibrant and enthusiastic community this is. Uh, was instantly happy that I uh, decided to join on. So this is great stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the, the remit of MBI 2015 is just to build, um, you know, provide a support network and share in the uh, you know a way of discovering uh, new channels of information out there in the community help those new to blogging and podcasting by giving them a hand um, I've got 32 episodes under my belt and I still don't know what the hell I'm doing so I uh, think uh, it's gonna be of great benefit to me and again already providing um, you know some benefits so very excited about that maybe they can help me figure out why LTB does not appear in iTunes when you search on Lotro podcast <laughs> minor detail yeah I think I've got my WordPress feed set up I think I've got the metadata set I don't know it doesn't show I'm sure I've got a lot of followers out there for people that mistype light the bacon looking for gluttonous barbecue recipes uh, talking about bacon's making me hungry 
Uh, so what else is going on in the forums? I noticed some activity lately on uh, the forum that was started earlier this year by Vivian and Freelorn asking people for some of their greatest quality of life issues in the game. You know, either defects or you know, minor annoyances that have been bothering them for some time. Trying to build some consensus around how they should prioritize their development list. And uh, you know, someone chimed in and said, hey, are you still even paying attention to this? And Vivian um, posted pretty quickly so that disappeared in the dev tracker saying yes we take a look at this and you're considering it all you know the next post was well you know which ones are you addressing and when because you know I haven't seen a heck of a lot of them so that's a valid question to ask um, it would probably be a bad idea for turbine to start answering that question <laughs> uh, you know and, and thinking they have some level of accountability regarding their detailed development plans with the community but it would be good to see a few issues that were mentioned um, and highlighted uh, appearing uh, through patches over time. Uh, but as I was out there, I did enter one of my own forum bug entry that, uh, you know, I didn't read through the whole thread, but I, I glanced through it and I didn't see anyone note it. And here's one of my big bugaboos about the user interface in Lotro. So if you press Shift-I, you will pull up your legendary item panel. You'll see a list across the top of your six uh, basic LI slots that you have available, and then four that you can get now for Mithril coins. And once you're done spending all your points and setting your gems and your relics and uh, you know doing all that other fun stuff you can do in the LI panel, uh, you can go up to the right-hand corner to press the close window button, which just happens to be uh, a scant, let's say it's three pixels away from the final get now. Uh, LI uh, tab, which if you click it, takes you to the Lotro store and proceeds to clock until you pull up your legendary slot unlock um, uh, product that is available. And depending on the responsiveness on the Lotro store in any particular that evening, that one came up pretty quick actually for me, but usually it's a couple seconds and it clocks and it's trying to find the thing. It's like, look, I was trying to close the window. You don't place the two buttons so close together that I would say I probably accidentally pressed the the tab slot maybe at least a third of the time, and it is very annoying. And it's been that way since it came out. And all it would take to fix would be to adjust the size of the window only marginally um, as a default so that that's not available. Yes, you can shift the window yourself manually. Um, to avoid that circumstance, um, all you have to do is pull the right-hand side across uh, to give yourself a little bit more space. But it would be nice if the default uh, did that as well. So that was my my little issue that I entered into the forum bug entries. I would think checking the default size for a window when it pops up would take about, I don't know, maybe about 10 seconds to program and a good you know, 20, 30 days to test. Okay, so what are we doing in this week's episode? We're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks. We're going to share some early impressions on Update 16, of course. And we're going to be dragged down into the slime-infested sludge that is Gamergate, thanks to my involvement with NBI 2015. If there's any time remaining, we'll randomly impugn the imbuement system for sport. So, let's move on to our third beacon. Nardal's Aflame. This week in gaming and other Tokian news. So, uh, other Tokian news. So, what other games have I been playing lately? Uh, what other games indeed? We have update 16 available. Everything else must wait. So, onwards to Lotro. 
Um, prior to update 16 hitting since the last podcast of mine, I did go out and try to run a solo run of Sambron based on someone's recommendation that a guard had a pretty good success rate or chance of being able to do that. And I have to say, I moved through the entire instance pretty pretty easily and pretty quickly, not even having to blow too many cooldowns, um, you know, to get through uh, most of the most of the mob areas. And um, I got into the final boss room with Sambrog, and I would have to say I probably would have been able to solo Sambrog on the try that I was on, except that I ran out of power. As you know, there are a number of power drains around the room that occur over time. Um, as a guard, I can catch a breath to restore some power. I can also obviously hit power potions early and often. Um, I probably, if I'd had, you know, a couple of those stupid potions of uh, inebriation, I forget what they're called, um, uh, some of the Hobbit store potions that you can use when your potion power is on cooldown, or... You know, I had eaten food, but even with that, I was—I uh, ran out of power. I think I had Sambrog down to like 35k, and then uh, when I ran out of power, I, I couldn't burn down the the side mobs helium quickly enough, and he recovered, and uh, eventually I wiped. Uh, but that was a good long fight. I think actually with uh, a potion of rejuvenation or some other recourse, or maybe even another build to build power a little bit. I probably would be able to solo the entire instance, so I might go back and try that sometime soon. If anyone out there has soloed Sambrog in your class and has a tip for me on how to do it, um, either with a guard or with another class I'm interested, let me know. Aside from that, Bragg has, uh, you know, with the lack of new content available, he's just been playing non-stop Hobnanigans the last two weeks. Just game after game, kicking the chickens. Okay, I'm just kidding. Bragg has been mostly sampling the new content in Eastern Gondor, of course, but I will leave that detail for the next beacon. Uh, aside from that, uh, I did monkey around with the imbuement system. Uh, I did take my primary one-handed axe, uh, and uh, I did imbue it. It was level 100 first Azure. Um, it had had a Crystal of Remembrance applied to it already, as is recommended. Um, I had not maxed out all the tiers of the different legacies. I had a good number of them that were six or five, maybe one four on there, but generally speaking, it was pretty good. There's a scroll of delving on there. The IXP was maxed out. I had all my relics, had a uh, damage type scroll applied. So, uh, you know, I thought it was in pretty good shape. Oh, and uh, also three crystals, uh, starlit crystals applied. So I went ahead and I did imbue, and uh, at that time I did go out and check out the guides to see how some of the legacies would change over to new legacies. And as I expected and as I complained about a little last week, uh, you know, the variety and diversity of the legacies is limited. You end up basically with a lot of damage legacies on your LI when you imbue, um, at least for the guard and from what I saw from a heck of a lot of the other classes as well. So I went out with my new imbued first stage weapon and burned down some mobs to see how they would go. And you know what? They went pretty quick. I would have to say my DPS in general across most of my AOE in red line, you know, I guess may have improved. Um, you know, I, I had enough IXP ruins uh, saved by that I was able to max out all my tiers um, for the newly imbued legacies right away. Uh, so it's it's basically almost capped out at this point unless I get additional uh, Amphalos Scrolls of Empowerment 
um, our starlit crystals to improve the tiers uh, beyond where they are now. And I'd say my DPS, I'd have to guess, is 20 to 30%, maybe more than it was. Uh, just, you know, round figures. And stuff is dying pretty quickly. Um, especially when I hit, you know, three or four or five AoE skills in a row, all with bleeds. Um, you know, all getting damage increases, or most of them getting damage increases from the damage legacies. So, that's good. Uh, you know, being powerful is good. Uh, will I need a non-imbued weapon for tanking? So I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, the max number of targets available for the guard and, uh, you know, the fact that they might not want to imbue their weapon because they want to be able to make sure they can tag 10 targets. So I'll have to see. I'll, I'll try a few instances. I would think with three mans I'd be okay. Maybe when I do the new six mans or some of the old, older content, I'll see if, uh, if I think it's a problem. I think if it's a problem, I would still hope that maybe they do some adjustments and fix it themselves. But I do have another first stage symbol laid by in case I do need um, a tanking weapon created specifically. I could see a scenario where on a lot of my tunes where the legacies are turning all the damage, uh, I would only imbue my first stage weapons and I might leave the class items unimbued. Uh, obviously, as I look at each character and get ready to move forward into Gondor. Um, you know, the reason I wanted to imbue for Bragg is I didn't, I wanted him to be able to level the weapon as he moved through some of the new content. Um, so I may do that as well with some of my other tunes. Uh, some of my other class items on my alts are still first age 95s anyway. I just didn't see uh, the improvement being that significant to go from a first stage 95 to a first stage 100 weapon um, class item on a lot of them. So some of them are still sporting first stage 95 uh, weapons. Some of them have second age 100s. It'll be a case-by-case -case basis. I'll have to look at it. Um, and I'll definitely have to understand how the class legacies are swapped out uh, to decide for each tune. Alright, so what's my Bjorning been doing? Well, he's in Endedwaith. Alright, so, you know, I was questing with my Bjorni this week, and I, I had to bring this up. Does anyone else talk to the mobs when they're fighting as a Bjorning? You're like, oh, you're beating me, oh, you're so strong, oh, you're sword, I'm losing, oh, no. Oh, I'm a bear! Surprise! Didn't see that coming, did you? Rawr! <laughs> run, run, it's too late. Claws, teeth, blood, oh, the humanity! Didn't sign up for this, did you? Ah. I'm the only one that does that? Okay. You know, I still like switching into bear form and surprising the crud out of him. <laughs> and uh, also, I uh, didn't run into this previously, but now that I'm in Endedwaith, you may remember the quest where you disturb some honeycombs uh, for, I think, Candace or Saradin, actually, and collect those um, for a local, for one of the, uh, for one of the epic questline quests. And as you disturb the honeycombs, uh, swarms of bees pour forth. And there's nothing more fun than sicking a swarm of bees on a swarm of bees. Suddenly you've got hot bee on bee action. Hey, you like them apples, bizach. Um, so, yeah, making bees fight bees is fun. <laughs> and lastly, uh, you know, an ended way, boy, this landscape is beautiful. Um, and the quests just pile up. There's a lot of remote items in Endwaith as you're questing around and you kill something for the first time. It'll show in your inventory and you open it up and it'll be like, return this to the, the local ranger camp for extra stuff. So lots of times I'm turning in six or seven quests at a time. It's very efficient for leveling. Uh, Gloom Glens, I think, is one of the most, one of the more underrated areas in Lotro. Um, 
just the design of the place to make it almost the kind of the maze that it is uh, would have been you know quite an accomplishment. Um, I like the terrain; it's interesting. It holds lots of twists and turns, and um, fishing at the fishing hole is always fun. Although I went out there and I noticed my 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 uh, Bjorning is level 69 and does not have a fishing pole. <laughs> Never fished. You know, why Why would I need to, right? I could just turn into a bear and duck my head in the water and come out with a giant salmon in it. So what do I need a fishing pole for? But I guess I'm going to need it eventually for some of those uh, daily tasks down the way. So I'm going to have to find me a fishing pole for my bear, although that seems a little little, little uh, counterintuitive. Uh, met Nona at Lanark. It's always fun every time you move through that zone. It's definitely different when you know she's not just another NPC and she's going to be a major part of the story sticking with you for a long time. You pay a little more attention to her comments and text and the way that they develop her as a character. makes me wonder sometimes when they premiere some of these NPCs if they know already that they're going to make them a major player or that just kind of develops as they develop the zone and move into the next area. There's such tragedy ahead for her. Spoiler alert, but sadness. Um, I also finished the epic in Enidwaith and uh, was doing the, the the final quest in there where the rangers uh, <laughs> first start to show some of their foolhardy tendencies where they decide to explore the Forsaken Road to test out if their forged rings of Barahir can, feel the, can fool the dead and see if they can learn anything that might help Aragorn in his quest. And so uh, you're following Candaith and you get to the end of the Forsaken Road and you're, you're beating up... Um, the the kind of walking dead leader Brutu and uh, some of the text from this guy is hilarious I don't know if you remember this but you, you're you with Candace and you, you're, you're fighting with them and Candace says stuff like witness the strength of the Dunedain and their allies and Brutu says yes I'm filled with the fear of you perhaps these other will do and he just throws like four more guys at you and then Candace gets angry and he says Brutu enough of this we need to prove nothing to you and Bertu says, uh, but I think you do. Here, more guys. You know, five more guys come out. Then Candace finally says, we did not come here to entertain your careless whims, Oathbreaker. And Bertu says, and yet you do so most admirably. Ha, ha, ha. Come, my sin, my kin, slay them. So this Bertu guy is awesome. <laughs> I love the text on uh, the little exchange they have there. Of course, until he stabs Candace in the... Oh, spoiler alert. Um... Until, you know, other stuff happens at the end of that uh, instance. Was able to run out without a problem. I know at one point that instance was bugged. People were stuck in combat, not able to run out with uh, with all the ghosts tracking them down. Uh, but you can burn them down until they're green. And as when they turn green, as long as you move away, you will not re-aggro re them. And that way you can move through the camp. And I think they also just changed it so that if you run to the ranger in the back, the ghosts uh, will peel off over time. The old breakers, I should say. Um, so, level 69 now with uh, my Bjorning. Maybe a few more quests in the Lich Bluffs, or perhaps in Southwest. Uh, Southwest ended with in the uh, what's it called, the Mornshaws, I believe, uh, with the quest line that culminates with the Hunter. That's a good one. But I'm quickly out leveling the area, so I would imagine soon I'll be moving on to, to Duneland. Haven't done anything yet with my Mistral or Cappy. Um, and Loremaster, except for the reset of my allies. Did take my Cappy through the initial West Pelager quests um, to the point where he can now plant two banners at a time. That's always fun. Talk about that a little bit later. 
And I did do a little bit of work on my Berg. Um, I reset my allies, and uh, my Berg is now sitting in Helm's Deep, has completed the epic quest line in West Rohan, and basically has the uh, series of uh, big battles to do to get through the the Long Night, or Survivor of the Long Night, or whatever it is. So I completed the Helm's Dyke big battle with my Burglar, who is uh, level 96 now. Wow. Uh, got a bronze completion for the main quest only. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> so every side quest that came up, you know, I felt fairly useless as the Burglar. Um, uh, which ones? Uh, burning down the tower, attacking the gate, and... One of the one, oh, saving the horses, and uh, basically what failed all three. You know, you're not you're not even tier one, in your big battle points. You can't uh, you can't move any blockades. You know, basically all you can do is sh shoot a catapult and a uh, you know uh, a crossbow out into the field to try to burn down some of the waves that are assaulting. But uh, the side quests as a level one solo are pretty pointless. So, but I got my bronze medal. We sunk a few points into the tree so I can do a few more things uh, a little more quickly next time around. And we'll be moving on to, uh, what's the second one? Uh, the Deeping Wall next. So um, with the new content, I'm not that motivated to move through these, though, move through these that quickly, but I uh, should be able to join people looking for duos uh, once I get another level under my belt, maybe one or two. Obviously, they'll upscale me, so... So I'll keep an eye out for that. And uh, but I gotta say, it was pretty boring being sort of useless as a Berg in a uh, untiered big battle with no points in my tree. And that's about enough for what I've been doing in game. Let's move on to talk about update 16 in Aralas. So. One of the reasons I've been monkeying around with my Bjorning in Enidwaith, even though I have the new content available in Eastern Gondor and plenty of tunes to go through it, is that typically I only play the new content when I have basically 100% dedicated time to be immersed. Um, you know, if I'm distracted, if I only have a couple minutes here or there, I, I know that I might have to get called away to do something else soon, or if... Um, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, something else I'm listening to, a phone call, a TV, you know, a podcast, wh whatever else. Um, you know, I don't like to do new content with those kinds of gameplay windows um, because it does, you know, I think it's really important to be immersed in the new content when you're following the story, when you're exploring for the first time. So w when I have, and I, I would say, you know, it's pretty common for me to have these other types of kind of, di I'll call them distracted gameplay windows. Uh, and that's often when I do stuff on alts that you know where I've been through the content before, or I'm doing a Slayer deed, or uh, just covering distances in between uh, quest turn-ins. Uh, so you know, I think that's you know a distinction between distracted playtime versus fully engaged playtime. Else, I'd probably have a bit more done in East Gondor by now. Um, so I did work through um, the sort of I'll call it West Peller Gear cleanup. And the best thing I could say about those is, you know, it's it's a good kind of reinitiation to what's going on in the story. Um, the rewards are nice. I think there was a scroll of empowerment, a uh, scroll of delving, even a starlit crystal, all of stuff which you need given the changes that are coming to the legendary item system. So that's all good. Um, I even like the fact that there was an emote at the end of that as a as a quest reward for epic story. That's an appropriate 
epic quest line, you know, incentive, I think. I think the one thing I'll say about it is I was a little disappointed having a cappy in my repertoire. Planting the banner down, that's a cappy skill. That is, you know, that is a hallmark of the cappy. You know, besides having a herald running around, chasing you all over the place, planting that banner down in the middle of a fight or, like, to rally your troops when you're in a fellowship or raid, that's cappy territory. So, you know, I, I like having the emote, obviously, but I, I, as a cappy, I feel a little bit cheated. You know, it's like when they, when Loremasters were the only one with pets, and all of a sudden, now everyone has a pet. Everyone and their sister has a pet. It's like, that was a Loremaster thing. Okay, so, you know, I, I would have preferred if they picked another emote. You know, something along those lines, something cool, but not planting a banner in the ground. Uh, you know, too Cappy-like. That's, that's just my opinion. Um, so, in general, the rewards are good, and uh, after... Venturing through there, and I headed out of East Pelagir and did most of the quest chains through Tom Laden. Um, and down into, uh, see, I don't know all the names perfectly yet. I'll call it Arnok. Gonna make me pull up a map. Jeez. Fine. To Gondor, Eastern Gondor. We gotta learn this stuff sooner or later, right? So, uh, Gleniath. Tumladen, Upper Labinin, and heading into Arnak in Lashanak. And uh, yeah, there's probably some mispronunciations in there. And so, in general, the comment I have is that uh, the geography of the nude zones is good. It's, uh, you know, it's always been a strength of their dev teams. It's different. It's inventive. I love the way the, the towns are kind of carved into the foothills of the mountains. There's some interesting contours in there. Bridges, water features, crossings, um, you know, they've done a great job with it. Uh, in general, the environment with the, the lightning and the red sky and the distance is neat. Uh, well done. And, you know, as I started to realize what I'd covered and what was still left in front of me, this is a pretty big landmass. You know, I think it fools you when you look at the map and it just kind of looks like a little strip, um, you know, along the river, right? And there's that big empty area that's going to be filled with Minas Tirith eventually, and Southern Gondor is a big empty part of the map. Even though the map doesn't look that big, there's there's a lot of space out there. This is a good-sized chunk, and uh, from what I've seen so far, I'm very happy with the way they've developed it. It uh, feels different. It feels interesting. And, um, you know, I even got lost a couple times. I had to open my map and figure out which way I was pointing and where to head. And that's fun stuff. If you've been through an area, you know, five times, you know it so well that you can kind of run through it with your eyes closed. Uh, the mob density is good. I thought they went overboard with how they were packed a little bit in Central Gondor and some of the fields. And from what I've seen so far, these seem more clustered around the areas of danger. It's not like, you know, if you have an army penetrating your area, they don't like space out. So there's one guy every 50 yards, <laughs> you know, in a big net. Uh, there, there should be clusters of you know troops moving about. Um, so I like the mob density. I think it's better. It's easier to move through some of the open areas without triggering everything as you walk by and having to you know do that dance and balance. Um, there are some areas that are pretty heavily clustered, especially in the camp south of Arnak. There is there's one in particular that is packed. But still not a problem for my dwarven buddy Bragg. Um, you know, I think I saw a squishy class kind of dancing around the edge and pulling one or two guys away, and I ran through the cap. I ran through the camp blowing a horn <laughs> until I had like 20 guys in my wake and slaughtered them down. 
So the OP Red Guard is still in effect. Uh, the story so far is good. All right, who else thought? Who else knew Denethor had a sister? First of all, and who else thought when they met her that she was going to be a bad guy? I don't know. We'll see. I keep, you know, I'm suspicious of her. So far, nothing to make me suspicious, but I'm still suspicious. I mean, it's Denethor's sister, right? But now I'm, I just met Denethor's sister, sister. So one of those guys has got to be bad. I'm see. I'm sure. We'll see. Um, I like the River Maidens thread that they're continuing to. Um, build through the zone uh, you know I, hopefully they have a balance and don't overdo it but uh, you know I think there is I think I think they're building it up maybe a bit more than than Tokian uh, would have stressed it but it's it's interesting it's a good change of pace so I do like it and uh, what's going on with my buddy Goladir you talk to him yet he seems a little off I'm a little worried no uh, if there's one guy that deserves redemption uh, you know, and uh, and you know, some form. You can't say happy ending, but some balance uh, through the story that will play through this zone. It's him, and I'm a little worried about how he's acting. I hope they don't have anything more misery in store for my man, unless it leads us back to a fully scaled rift instance. Okay, a guy can dream, can he? But wouldn't it be great if he was still being controlled? From, from beyond. You had to go back into a level 100 rift in order to free him before you headed to the gates of Mordor. Uh, feel free to steal my brainstorm on that one, Turbine. There's some new mobs in the area you may have noticed already. Not a ton, but a few. Uh, the, most, the one that stood out most to me are the Risen Armors uh, around the crossroads uh, that uh, related to the River Maiden story. These are cool um, I love that they reused kind of a concept that's been done before, but added some new graphics. They look really neat. So well done on those. Um, each new area should have some new mobs to keep things fresh. What's the other new mob in the area? The Oliphant or Mumak. So I should not be running into these if you're paying attention. Uh, monkeying around Upper Labinan and Lassernark. But uh, one of the things I did do uh, this week was I saw a Kinney call out to travel across uh, Eastern Gondor and do all the war bands that were in the area. And I was happy to join in on that. Um, they did port me directly to Faramir's camp. So a little bit of a spoiler getting ahead of myself in the story. Uh, but I tried not to look around too much and just follow them out uh, down to explore some of the war bands. There's, uh, I think it's a group of Corsairs, I want to say, south of Tun Laden. Um, there's a bunch of trolls just south of Faramir's lookout. And then uh, while we were in that area, uh, we went down into some of the Haradrim camps in southern Ithilien and uh, ran into some of the Mumak that were patrolling the area. And I have to say, I had a little geek out moment. I mean, it was cool. So it took a group to, I don't know, I haven't tried to solo one yet with a guard. I think it would probably be tough. Maybe possible, but tough. We'll see. Uh, but even with a group, it was kind of dangerous. you got to pay attention to what you're doing. All was good. The uh, guys up on top of the Mumak are shooting down at you with arrows, so you got to stay out of the uh, the arrow firing spots, which keeps you moving uh, throughout the fight, which is uh, good. There's, a, I think, a stomping mechanic. I, th I did get, I think, one shot one time. I'm guessing that either I was sitting in too many arrow squares before I knew what they were, or I got stomped on by a Mumak, and I was happy to die. It was, uh, it was neat. So really good job on those. They're fun. 
It's great group content and uh, appropriate, obviously, for the lore, and uh, are pretty epic, uh, especially for your dwarven and hobbit buddies that uh, you know can barely see over their toenails. <coughs> what I want to know is where are the little arrows to cl climb up his back and get on top, like like Legolas does. And uh, one other suggestion: if you're in a group, every time you kill one, it's required to say, "That still only counts as one." All right, so what else is going on with update 16? Um, new quests. Mm, meh. There's nothing terribly different or exciting yet that I've come across. The best I can say is they help you explore what is a nice landscape. So, you know, I haven't seen too many quests yet where there was anything that was much different from the mechanics of quests we have in the past. I always like to see them try one or two different types of mechanics in some of the new quests. Um, I'm seeing the same old mechanics, but uh, they're still telling good stories and helping you explore a nice landscape. Hopefully there's a little more variety or something new in the way of questing as we uh, penetrate further east. And um, I have not tried the new instances yet, uh, but I've heard from everyone they are tough, which I guess is good. Um, I'm hoping the tier ones are not a walkover and then tier twos are too hard so that there's nothing in between hoping there's a little bit of challenge on tier one and that when you get a good group you've got a good fair chance of doing tier two uh... you know the fear is always if you wait too long and you go into the instance people kind of expect you to know it i still think we're in the in the part of the release where it's not too uncommon for you to just say hey look i haven't done this one yet uh... let me know what you know and most people in the community are happy to help out with that that's fine um, but if you do go too far or too long without trying them, eventually, you know, people kind of start expecting you to know how to do them, and that's always a little bit awkward. Um, my best advice, admit where you are. If you haven't done it, tell somebody, don't go along. I think the worst case scenario for me is when someone goes in the group and they don't speak up, they don't know what they're doing, and they don't speak up and ask. So please ask. Um, I am kind of, uh, you know, per some other people that mention this, kind of hoping to proceed through the content and address the uh, instances in the con in the context of the storyline instead of jumping ahead to them so that but you know I might get impatient <laughs> I think I've still got a good amount of content to go through before I get there uh, you know it might take me another couple weeks uh, which is good because um, Ministerial ain't happening anytime soon I can guarantee it but uh, uh, I do think um I'll probably end up jumping the gun at some point. We'll see. We'll get as close as we can. Um, overall, most importantly, the tone seems to be right as you move through the zone. Uh, you know, they built upon what they had in Eastern Gondor and then Central Gondor was a little more. And now there's just a, you know, an overall vibe of tension. Um, you know, it's partly the environment, partly the way the mobs are packed, partly the storyline and, you know, the way people are reacting and, and uh, you know, hiding out and gathering in safe houses and things of that nature. The storm clouds are gathering, so I think they got that right so far. It should, and it should, when we get to Minas Tirith, explode into quite a storm. Uh, but that's about enough for what a... Uh, think of update 16 so far obviously as I continue to move through it I'll provide try to provide some feedback without giving too many spoilers but for now let's move on to our next beacon my production values are so high 
Oh, you viewers out there know that, though. Although, you know, you're not viewers. Um, Min Remon. And now a word from our sponsors. Hello, Hugo Broadbelt here again with a reminder for all my dwarf buddies out there. Tramping around with Mumakel in Eastern Gondor can sometimes make me feel a little self-conscious about my size. You know, that I'm not being all I can be. Well, now you can be the boss again with new EFD extends for dwarves. Listen, I have traveled from Erebor to Ered Luin, and everywhere I go I get the same question from dwarves. Does EFD really work? And my answer is, it works for me. So the next time you're struggling to get up Nars Peak, remember EFD. And if you call now, we'll send you a discreetly wrapped Hobbit present with a one-week supply for free. So what are you waiting for? It's pay to win with EFD. Extends for dwarves. That brings us to Kalanhat. So now, as, as part of my joining of uh, NBI 2015, uh, a topic was thrown out, a challenge, as it were, for all the new bloggers and podcasters out there. And the topic was, how has Gamergate affected me? And I thought for a while about whether I wanted to discuss this, and I was like, geez, if I post something, will I draw some ire from the community? Will someone threaten me? Will someone try to dox me, a term I didn't even understand or or know of as of a week ago. Uh, and the more I thought about it, the more I said, yeah, I think I got to talk about this uh, for that very reason. So how has Gamergate affected me? Well, for the longest time, it didn't. I mean, I saw the hashtag on Twitter. I read a few posts and listened to a few podcasts, mostly from Contains Moderate Peril, and assembled a casual mosaic understanding of the issue from a few viewpoints. Maybe it's a reflection of the community I'm a part of, but almost universally, the, opinion, the opinions I read were of temperance, reason, balance, and understanding. They were intolerant of intolerance, so I did not see much reason to respond. I have basically been nodding my head. Perhaps I have just been avoiding the toxicity and the sites on which it resides, but I also think I just have not gotten to that depth in the community, because life happens. Also, I'd have to say that so much has been written on the topic to this point that the chance of my having some epiphany or expressing a pivotal point of view that no one's considered before to date is pretty low. So, I'm using, am I using ignorance or even lethargy as an excuse not to get involved? History tells us that those who turn a blind eye to injustice eventually can have their other eye put out. It serves us well to remember that the only way to silence a vocal minority is to speak out and be heard. Hiding under rocks with a cloak of anonymity is the bread and butter of trolls, and you have to lift the, lift the rocks up to send them scurrying back to their lairs. You, know, you might say, well, it's only games, right? It's only gaming. Why get so serious? It's a hobby. Everybody chill out. Unfortunately, it's not a hobby for everyone. It's also a big industry, with people's jobs and lives on the line like any other big industry out there. It's also a major passion of some people's lives. Look at me, I podcast, I podcast about it for gosh sake, as do countless others in the community. Tell a UK soccer fan it's just a game. Obviously, they are the souls of temperance. Anything with that level of emotional investment is going to invoke passion, and anything that invokes passion will spark both good and evil, metaphorically, and evil pours forth under the cloak of darkness and anonymity. That's part of the reason journalism in any industry can be so important. To help shine a light on things that normal people bustling about their lives might not ordinarily see. Once the darkness is exposed, however, the community needs to respond. 
The community is the ultimate salve to cure these wounds. In the end, we all know there's going to be immaturity, stupidity, racism, homophobia, misogyny, whatever else. Maybe even a dash of perversity in all walks of life. It's unfortunate. But we all have to have faith that the balance of good is normally going to outweigh the balance of evil, and that once galvanized, good will prevail. That means taking the time to get familiar with an issue and join your voice to the chorus of reason, if only so that others can know that you're out there and they are part of a community that values basic human decency and logic, or more importantly, basic dwarven decency. Speaking of which, it's time for Blessed Relief. Here we are, Halifarian. Gondor's message has once again reached Adoras, and that brings us to the end of the 33rd episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. If you have another viewpoint on Gamergate, please let me know. I'm getting involved here. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for Yo Adrian. Uh, Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan. Or my website at likethebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review. If perchance you are so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forgo my dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazat. And remember, the next time you find your community lacking basic dwarven decency, you might be in Rivendell. In which case, light the beacons. Alright, Grima. Just a few more times up and down the path to Thor's Croom here to fetch my luggage. You'll have that hidden master of stairs title in no time. Mush, my friend. Mush. <laughs>